It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Luke Inman from Locked On Sports Minnesota, and buckle up, baby. We've kidnapped Sam Ekstrom. I've stolen the mic. Things could get spicy as I put these guys on the hot seat. I'm Tom, and only one human man on this show has moved into my place unannounced, and I'd like to keep it that way. Uh, I'm, I'm Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network. I want to point out, Luke did not need to kidnap Sam in order to get access to a mic. He's a regular on the show. Uh, I'm Luke Braun. I do the Lockdown Vikings podcast, and it sounds like I have the one, I'm the one who has committed the least federal crimes. <laughs> I, uh, I don't it only gets worse from here, guys. Play the intro. Locked On Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. Plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome one, welcome all. It's the Minnesota Football Party on Lockdown Sports Minnesota. I'm Luke Inman, host of Superior Sports Talk on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Word on the street, guys. Sam Ekstrom stole the corporate card. He's halfway <laughs> around the world by now, probably sitting Delta first class, sipping on Mai Tais, probably on his way to somewhere exotic. You're stuck with us today, joined as usual and he has by Arif dirt on all of us to get away with it. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's, that's right. Joined as usual by Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network and Vikings Insider. He's on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL. Pro tip, he loves chatting Seattle Seahawks whenever he can. And why Pete Carroll is an actual quarterback savant. Next, we've got Luke Braun, a.k.a. the kid you copied off in math class, host of Locked on Vikings. Check him out after every game on the Locked on Vikings postcast on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. Luke was in London for the double doink, so we got to assume butterfly effect because Luke was in attendance. A kick actually bounced our way for once. Do you concur, Luke? Is that what happened? I am really good at creating missed kicks, but I'm not good at deciding which team gets the missed kick. That is just a stroke of luck. Uh, okay, fair enough. Well, it fell our way. Finally, we're going to the bullpen today. We're bringing in the crafty vet. The journeyman, Prince, Tom Schreier III, a local legend, co-founder, CEO of Zone Coverage, where he covers the Vikings, Wolves, Twins, and Wild. My nickname for Tom is Tommy Guns, because when you meet him in person, he brings an absolute gun show with him. Here, real quick. Let's see him, Tommy. Bust him out. Bust him out. Just real quick. Let me see him. Oh, yeah, my see, God. I can't believe see, here's you the thing. indulged him. No, I, I, I was going to take off my shirt, but I don't think that's appropriate. No, no, let's keep it TVPG here, Tom. Hey, here's the thing. You can find Tom every day at the Downtown Lifetime from noon to two at the bicep and tricep machine. Then he goes, breaks some ankles on the court, 65 and over league, sneaks a quick steam and shower, and then he's off to see McGee's for a little protein fix. So, Tom, my apologies. I just blew up your two Did favorite you spots. Did you watch all this, sir? This is incredible. Well, I did live with the guy for a year, so I kind of <laughs> know his deal. Yeah, yeah, no, he, so, just again, this for some context wait, wait, hold, on, hold on, hold on, we brought We brought up kidnapping Sam, and Tom's actual kidnapping fiasco didn't come up? <laughs> oh, well, it's out There's there now. There's so many problems. Everybody knows. Oh, what is that? Yeah, Sirens? he wrote about it in Deadspin. Google Deadspin yeah, Tom yeah. Trier for more. Yeah. Anyway, we got yeah. a show. I was, <laughs> yeah, we got a I was show. Actually we got Vikings podcast. Yeah. Find Tommy on Twitter at tschreier3. All right, gentlemen, yeah. for obvious reasons, today's episode is titled Three Men and a Baby. We'll leave it up to the listener to decide who's who. So remember, <laughs> follow along on the Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. <laughs> end on Twitter. Give us a follow at Lockdown M-I-N. And remember, we're a podcast too, free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it. We got it. Tons of great choices over there. You got the Ron Johnson Show, Superior Sports Talk, the Football Party, and more. Your one-stop shop with endless Vikings talk with local experts. Do us a favor, hit the subscribe button, and drop us a five-star review. Last but not least, remember, you can now find us streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Look out for and download our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. Okay, today we're breaking down KOC as a possible Coach of the Year candidate. And if a Vikings path to 7-1 and one 
is on the table. And of course, later we'll be joined by Ron Johnson of the Ron Johnson Show. But let's start here, guys. Huge factor in every game, week to week in the NFL. Obviously, who's active, who's hurt. Yesterday, first of three injury reports were released, and the Dolphins, they're feeling it. 18 players on the initial report. Five of them were full participants. Eight were limited, and five did not practice. The big news, though, Mike McDaniels announced Tua will not play this Sunday versus the Vikes. Tua is cleared to practice. He can start working on the field, but his timeline to play again is still unclear. Mike McDaniels said, quote, he hasn't done a thing on the football field for literally two weeks, so I don't think that would be fair to the player. That wouldn't be fair to the team. I don't feel comfortable putting him in that situation. Meanwhile, you got Teddy Bridgewater still in concussion protocol, making his return to action iffy this week, although technically still not ruled out as of today. Either way, though, Skylar Thompson is in as the starter. Teddy possibly backing him up. So, guys, seventh-round rookie, third stringer, Skylar Thompson, good old Kansas State. He played three-and-a-half quarters Sunday once Teddy went down, 16-33, buck 66, two turnovers. And now, once again, another dreaded backup quarterback storyline for the Vikes they're going to face this week. Weirdly bad luck with these guys in the past. I don't know what it is. Cooper Rush always comes to mind first. Andy Dalton brought them down to the wire already once this year. How do you feel about the Vikes defense matching up against another backup quarterback this week? And is there anything you guys remember about Skyler at Kansas State or during that pre-draft process that kind of always stuck out to you as to why this could be a guy you don't want to overlook Sunday if you're the Vikes. Let's start with you, Arif. Dust off the scouting reports and the consensus big board. Who is this guy? Right. Well, uh, Luke, we have a mutual studies. friend who is extremely good at evaluation. I'm not going to name him. It's private. You know, mm -hmm. he shares the scouting reports with the two of us, but unfortunately, we're not allowed to share them. But I can tell you, he is well placed within a college organization, does a lot of scouting every mm -hmm. single day, well versed in analytics. And for him, Skylar Thompson was quarterback one. It wasn't Kenny Pickett. It wasn't E.J. Brown. It wasn't Desmond what? Ritter. It wasn't any of those guys. Mm -hmm. It was Skylar Thompson. And I was talking mm -hmm. to him because I didn't think he was doing very well at the Shrine Bowl. I was like, hey, this guy is Skylar Thompson. And then, of course, the actual Shrine Bowl game itself, he blows up. I believe he had three combined touchdowns rushing and passing. Was really fun to see. But there are a lot of limitations. Obviously, he went in the seventh round, not the first round. So the NFL did not agree that this guy was quarterback one. They rather went with Kenny Pickett or Desmond Ritter or Malik Willis. Um, mm. But, you know, he's, he's somebody that uh, has a pretty good decision-making capability. I think that his arm... He trusts his arm a little bit too much. You see a lot of that with some of these mid to late round quarterbacks, but he has, uh, at least in college, a pretty decent decision-making process. We didn't actually get to see him do a ton of stuff in the red zone, either in the Shrine game or in college, but his red zone stuff was not remarkable. To me, he seemed like a guy that was really great 15 yards and under, both in terms of decision-making and accuracy. And as we kind of, as he kind of needed to push the ball a little bit further down the field, uh, as he needed to generate more arm strength, his accuracy basically failed. And so sometimes that would appear on tight window throws and intermediate. Sometimes it would appear on deep throws. But as he needed to drive the ball a little bit more, the ball would start to spray a lot. And uh, his decision-making when, when things got into those tight windows, when things got compressed in the red zone, they weren't very remarkable. So that's what I remember from the scouting report. Now, let me see where I've got him on this consensus big board. So the consensus of draft scouts had him 274 overall so he got drafted about mm -hmm. you know where you'd expect seventh round quarterback you get a little bit of a boost but not not somebody that a lot of people were threatened by but there's the one guy the one guy mm -hmm. that we know loved him mm -hmm. a lot so mm -hmm. so there you go <laughs> Yeah, pretty crazy. Number one on his big board. And again, you and I know who it is. Pretty highly respected when it comes to scouting some of these draft guys. Luke Braun, what do you remember about him coming out and, and seeing him through the preseason now a little bit and just in action last week versus the Jets? What do you think about the Vikes defense squaring off versus this guy? Well, let me tell you, I definitely had a Skylar Thompson take pre-draft. Mm -hmm. I certainly knew who he was, where he played, and had opinions. I can't find them mm -hmm. right now. My my notes are a little scrambled, so uh, I'll have to come back to you on that. Um, <laughs> no, I know, Luke, you were talking he's about a, he's concerned a, about he was a 24-year-old rookie, right? That that must have been a big issue for you. I think 25 That must now, have been it. I believe. Yeah, 25. yeah he's old. Yeah, now he's 25. He's oh, yeah, wow. 24 at the draft, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, well, yeah, I mean, no Velas Jones, but uh, <laughs> <Right>. he's <laughs> like, I'm not looking past anybody. Um, 
after what I've seen the Vikings do against backup quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. And especially like, I think a big reason Mike Zimmer struggled against backup quarterbacks. And I do think it was sustainable, like an actual thing. He treated them like potatoes. He like expected them to just miss every throw and just played everything super soft and didn't like challenge him, him and just decided, all right, we'll just sell it to stop the run. And this quarterback can't pass. And then they would pass and you would lose. Happened to Matt that Moore. kind of familiar. Against this Matt sounds Moore. like mm-hmm. what the Vikings defense Chase does Daniel. to every quarterback now. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, but at least it's not particular to backup. <laughs> <laughs> But that, that's what I was getting to is like, right. well, perfect. Are we sure that we're not going to let's not like chalk this one up as a as a freebie just because it's a, a seventh round rookie. Um, and he's a dual threat, which if you look at last week, what Justin Fields did with his legs, that was really rough. So th- there are things that I think the Dolphins can absolutely do to, to get a win out of the Vikings here because of the way that they match up, even if you don't feel like Skylar Thompson's going to be able to make those throws. Um, I talked to a couple of of Dolphins, uh, people who cover the Dolphins, about Skylar Thompson, and they don't like his ability to throw, like, into soft zones uh, or, like, throw anticipation balls into zones, which bodes well for us because that's a big weakness for us. Um, But the Dolphins with Tua, what they want to be is hucking up deep balls to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, right? They want big, explosive plays with those two guys, and they probably can't be that with Skylar Thompson. So they're going to lean on the run. They're going to lean on shorter stuff and it'll be on the Vikings to communicate enough to get, be a little better in the open field. They were really catastrophically bad at tackling in the open field, um, culminating in that Justin Fields touchdown that got called back on the block in the back. That's exactly the kind of thing that the dolphins are going to watch that tape and say, Oh, we can do that to them. Tom, you cover the Vikes for zone coverage. You're at TCO today for the press conferences. What's the vibe around there right now facing the Dolphins and Skylar Thompson this week? Yeah, no, they're not gonna they're not gonna say kind of what Braun was saying there that we got a potato, it's just gonna be the wrong game. Obviously they talked about um McDaniel, I think, comes from that Shanahan scheme and that they can run the ball. They're gonna throw a lot of different looks. I think they also put the Niners are traditionally um, got backups ready really well. And so that carries over to to the Dolphins with McDaniel. This guy's going to be as ready as possible. So I think the only thing the Vikings can do, and Donatel kind of suggested, they're still figuring out the scheme. It's process. They're leaning on the veterans, kind of all those hints that maybe they don't have it fully figured out. It, you know, I think if they have that figured out, isn't their whole defense supposed to be taking away deep falls, right? And it's and and Skylar Thompson is as Luke you suggested here, like he can't exploit the the weakness that other quarterbacks are doing. So um, it's a little different challenge in my mind than the I thought the Winston. Um, you know, when he got injured, you're going to a, a veteran quarterback who mm-hmm. who's very different. I think that's such a contrast from from what they have now. Where I think you went to it at Teddy, you're pretty much. Prepared the same much this is such an unknown that i think they just have to button up their end and and hope that this quarterback doesn't suddenly throw into windows <laughs> yeah i just remember coming out like pff was always like weirdly high on this guy always posted great pff numbers his knocks coming out of the draft which you mentioned he was old 25 years old right now he was coming off two injuries one on his throwing shoulder in 2020 one on his right knee in 2021 and then even though he rushed for 26 touchdowns in college he had the slowest 40 time of any quarterback in the class with a 491 then he shows up phenomenal preseason as a third stringer first game he goes nine for ten only incompletion was a drop pass finishes the preseason five tds zero turnovers third highest quarterback rating with 138.4 so obviously it's preseason take it with a grain of salt for sure he's going up against backups now he's going to start against a starting nfl caliber defense but like luke mentioned he doesn't need to do it all on his own. He's got two studs, Tyreek and Waddle. You know McDaniel's going to drop a game plan, take some pressure off him, design some easy throws, help him get into kind of a rhythm, get comfortable, get confident. And that's what, honestly, if anything, would worry me the most. Donatel comes out with maybe another soft shell look, lets him complete some easy passes early and find his footing and confidence. Play some press. Bring a few different looks. Mug the A-gap. Dial up some pressures. Try to get him rattled a little bit early on. And if nothing else, I guess, just keep him guessing and keep him on his toes there. Um, other injury news, Dolphins going to be out with cornerback Byron Jones once again, while Xavier Howard was limited Wednesday. He missed week five with a groin injury. Also, no Teron Armstead, Melvin Ingram, or Raheem Mostert. It's a laundry list of names over there right now in Miami. And on the other hand, for the Vikes, 
No one missed practice yesterday. Only three guys were limited. Madison, Sedarius, and Caleb Evans. Guys, thoughts on the injury front. Which names could impact the game Sunday one way or another? I know, Arif, you mentioned Monday. The two teams to slow J.J. down both had something in common. That was an elite cover corner combined with a safety over the top. And it worked out good for the Lions and Eagles just containing J.J. How big of a blow is it if Howard can't suit up in this one? And if you're KOC, how would you try to look to exploit that? No, that's true. Uh, the, the Dolphins have been playing, I think it's an undrafted rookie. Yeah, undrafted rookie, uh, mm-hmm. Kater Kehu, uh, a lot. I feel like they'll be going after him regardless of you know whether or not Xavier Howard ends up shadowing uh, Justin Jefferson. But without Xavier Howard, I think you're probably going to end up, I know there's going to be a lot of Nick Needham, you're probably going to end up with uh, Noah Igbenogany, who has mm-hmm. been a huge disappointment uh, for the Dolphins. I think that you know, there's somebody that they've uh, had a lot of faith in. You know, I think he was a what, out of Auburn. He was a super athlete, right? Mm-hmm. And, and they really wanted him to kind of pick up the game, and that really never happened for him. And, you know, with somebody who's as good at route running specifically as Justin Jefferson is, that's going to create some issues. So I wouldn't be shocked if you end up with um, a bunch of uh, safety double coverages. The thing is the Dolphins don't actually like uh, to to double cover people. They really like to have, you know, extra blitzers or, you know, simulated pressures, make it look like they've got a lot of blitzers uh, and, and really kind of expose some of those quarterbacks in coverage and just kind of trust that they have the ability. So, so you know, that ability to try and get to the quarterback, I, I think the game is going to hinge on, on that capacity because Javon Holland has been having a really great season as a safety, uh, both, as a cover player and as a rush player, and also, you know, he's doing all right against the run. They like to have him as as, as a potential rush player. They like to have him as somebody who can blitz off the edge. And if they don't have that, if they have him uh, doubled up over Justin Jefferson, you've already neutered a good chunk of what the Dolphins' game plan typically is. You've already impacted the game. So um, I don't know exactly how the Dolphins are going to modify their defensive approach because it seems like it's exactly the wrong approach to deal with the way the Vikings play offense. Um, but if they don't, I think you know Justin Jefferson goes off for another 150-plus yards. If they do, Justin Jefferson has put the Dolphins in such an uncomfortable situation that they're, they're playing defense in a way that they're not really used to. And so I think either way, the Vikings have a, a pretty good matchup here. Yeah, good point. Luke and Tom, any key players you're circling or honing in on, whether that's on the injury report you're keeping tabs on or in the starting lineup you think could be a big factor in the outcome of Sunday's game? Start with you, Luke. Yeah, it's um, it's it's Howard for me, too. Uh, mm-hmm. That ability to to shut down Jefferson and, and make the, the game go through K.J. Osborne and Adam Thielen, I think is the best way to approach this offense. And I think what we saw from the last two games was pretty dumb from the Saints and, and the Bears. And I, I don't think other teams are going to look at that tape and be like, let's do that. 130 for Jefferson and the staff. Yeah, we're good with that. <laughs> um, I think, but then it, if it comes down, like if I'm the Vikings, I want this to come down to Igbenogany and these other corners, whether Xavier Howard is in the game or not. And if that means I'm starting to dial things up on the other side of the field so that it's, you know, Adam Thielen as the main guy on a choice route or something like that, I am super good with that. Um, And it's just one of those things you've got to kind of take the first two possessions to figure out exactly what the Dolphins are doing so that they declare what their game plan really is. Um, And then we might see that sort of adjust. But if if Xavier Howard can't go, um, then I think you can just play it straight up and challenge them to do something about it. Tommy guns. Yeah. And I, I just, I just wonder if they have enough. Like I, you know, the Dolphins seem to to as the quarterback, they wanted to put him in the best situation possible. It was kind of do or die, right? A, a starting quarterback in the NFL should be able to win with these weapons. And I, I think if it was even Teddy, right, they might challenge the Vikings to, it, it seems like the, off, the Vikings offense hasn't been optimized yet. Maybe they mm-hmm. challenge and do a, a scoring match, right? If you have if you have inefficiencies on the defense, so a little different when you have a third string quarterback. It sounds like it's a very remote chance that it's Bridgewater, although it's not completely ruled out. Um, and I just my concern more is that you can build a pretty easy narrative of how the Vikings would win this game, and I'm trying to think of it the opposite way. This unknown at quarterback, they still have weapons. We still haven't seen the Vikings offense fully optimized. I, I guess in a game like this, the high variance strategy just try to sneak out a win in one week 
Yeah, good point. Will be funny to see if Teddy is the backup. And, you know, who knows? Maybe Skyler goes down, and in the second half, you see Teddy come in. That narrative probably would write itself. Rest assured, we'll keep tabs on the injuries throughout the week. Keep you posted right here on Locked On Sports Minnesota Network. Before we move on, Sam Ekstrom would like to give us his key players in Sunday's matchup. Pardon the terrible camera angle, but I had to check in again and tell you which Dolphins player scares me in this game. It is Tyreek Hill if he plays. Remember, this is the guy who said that Tua Tungvaloa was more accurate than Patrick Mahomes. Guess how many targets Tyreek Hill had from Skylar Thompson last week? Seven. Guess how many receptions he had? Seven. In Tyreek Hill's mind, Skylar Thompson is probably the most accurate quarterback that has ever lived. And if Tyreek believes it, it might come true. By the way, Arif, I looked for a Wahlburgers in Terminal 2 and did not find it, and now I'm very upset. <laughs> so, so, so real quick, here's the thing. I couldn't hear any of that. For whatever reason, I couldn't hear Sam. I just saw Sam on mute two inches away from the screen. Fill me in. What, give me the summary. What did Sam just mention there? Uh, so one, I feel like he's about to ask for a ransom. Yes. Yeah, no, it's scary. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, somebody's life is under threat, and that we have to pay to save that. Unfortunately, yeah. he doesn't realize uh, that we're all misanthropes, so that's not going to happen. But happen. <laughs> uh, he uh, he he was really concerned about not finding a Wahlburgers. Sam, that was in Boston Logan Airport, not Chicago O'Hare Airport. Wahlberg is from Boston. Anyway, uh, no, okay. his, his player of the of the game or the player that he was concerned about was Tyreek Hill. He said that Tua Tagovailoa was the most accurate quarterback he's ever played with. He's played with the surefire Hall of Famer. So, uh, and uh, and I guess uh, he mentioned that Tyreek Hill went seven of seven in terms of targets and receptions. Uh, and quote in his mind, Skylar Thompson is probably the most accurate quarterback who has ever lived. And if Tyreek Hill thinks it's true, it may very well be. So uh, he, he's very worried about Tyreek Hill. Probably not, uh, you know, going to take um, take the top off the Vikings defense a ton for accurate targets, but you know, one or two deep shots plus. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked at a bunch of crossers and screens. I love it. Thanks for the recap, Sam Ekstrom. Gotta love the grit at the airport, rain or shine. This guy still finds a way to contribute, send in some hot takes. Okay, moving on. It's looking more and more likely like the Vikes will be favored in all three of their next games, despite two of them being on the road this week in Miami. Then coming out the bye, you've got Arizona at home and then at Washington. Guys, is a 7-1 and one record like an actual possibility for this team? And if so, what needs to happen? What does it all need to look like for them to get to that point so we get a seven and one vikes team traveling to buffalo to take on the bills in what you would think would have to be the game of the week tommy let's start with you yeah no i've we've talked about this miami one where you're just the the variable of this quarterback that we don't know very much about and who's injured and who's not for miami i think they're very fortunate to get arizona coming off the bye i'm not a believer like i'm just not a believer in cliff kingsbury i'm not in kyler murray i heard this thing that Call of Duty is coming out like the week before the game or something like this. And there's some <laughs> stat that he's lost. He's lost perpetually after like updates in Call of Duty or something like that. So maybe it's okay. That, that, that is a report. fake stat. I just want that to be clear that someone okay. made that up. <sighs> I wish uh, it is. I really want to believe beautiful. it's true. I, I love <laughs> it. But that is, that is made up. Just, I think they, I'm going to believe in it. In my anyway. mind, in yeah, my sure. mind last year, and this obviously was on the Rona, but I think they played a game that if they had just used that as the print, blueprint throughout the year, they would have more, won more often. And it seems like they took the lesson of don't get into shootouts, don't get into like 30-point battles, the kicker's going to screw you or whatever. And I think this team is not going to do that, right? I mean, this team is, is kind of winning using the, the blueprint in some capacity. So I think they already know how to beat Arizona. I understand how that team can be threatening. Um, but I, I do actually think they should beat Arizona despite some of the success they've had at least early in the season. And then the Washington game is kind of like this Miami game, like just go, you're supposed to win. And this comes down to me, the margins of, of victory. And, and I know the team's saying like most of game possession, you got to, you know, be able to score on accounts or whatever. But because they're not creating the margins, you're vulnerable to losing a game you shouldn't. I think if they have that corrected by the time you get to Washington, that should be a sweep. And then, you know, you're going into this game against Buffalo. It's going to be really tough. Yeah, Luke, you always call it the Vikes for being the team that, like, you know, loses the games they're supposed to win and then win the games they're supposed to lose. What do you think looking at these next three games? Seven and one, realistic? Is it on the table? Could that happen? Realistic, sure. Um, mm -hmm. 
yeah, why not? It, anything's possible, right? And yeah, th- will they win three games that they're favored in? Calling that realistic feels like an understatement. They're favored in all of those mm-hmm. games. Obviously, stringing three of them together is not going to be a favorite outcome. But shoot, man, even if they do drop one of those, the six and two going into into the, the halfway mark of the season, that's pretty good. Five and three, that ain't that's nothing to sneeze at if it goes really bad. Like being four and one is a, a great spot to be in. And that's part of the thing. Like they're they're a very fraudulent four and one. They win this game, they will be a fraudulent five and one. But it counts. And it means that that's that much less work they have to do down the stretch to get into the to into the postseason and even to get a home game in the postseason. Um, yeah, the, the wins still count and they make your life easier. So, sure, why not? Seven and one, go bikes. Arif, again, realistic. Yeah, why not us? Uh, but uh, anything but is possible. Like the commanders, they can barely. Well, well, how about this, Arif? Of the fraudulent teams right now, the Cowboys, the Giants, and then the Vikes, you know, all sitting there at what four and one. Rank them. Like, who seems the most fraudulent? Who seems the most legit? (laughs) The most fraudulent. Uh, The most fraudulent right now are the Giants, even though there's a pretty good chance they have the best coach. I just don't think that Mm -hmm. they've got the combined offensive and defensive uh, passing games or. Uh, running game. I guess their offensive running game is fine, but I, I just don't mm-hmm. think that their offensive and defensive performance just combined uh, is really worth anything. In fact, I'm checking right now. I believe the Giants have a negative point differential despite being... Wow. Oh, no, they've got a slightly <laughs> positive point differential. Wow. Uh, when I adjust for strength of schedule, they've got a negative point differential, the only 4-1 team mm-hmm. to do that. Um, so uh, they've, I think they've only been in one score game. So I would say that the Giants are the biggest, you know, quote-unquote frauds at 4-1. and one. Um I, I don't really think the Cowboys are really frauds in the same sense. I think that they are playing, they're punching above their weight, but they're going to get Dak Prescott, probably not this week. I haven't checked uh, kind of the reports on that, but next week, and that they'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So mm-hmm. that's, that's the issue. Like mm-hmm. I, the Vikings are not going to get Patrick Mahomes in a week, right? And so that's you who they've been playing with. I mean, they're one of the healthiest teams in the league right now. I mean, it sucks that they lost Lucene. He wasn't playing a really significant role for the Vikings, and that's basically the only major injury they've had unless I'm like missing something hugely important and I'm blanking on it. But they're one of the healthiest teams in the league, uh, and so they're not really in a situation where they're going to get somebody back, right, where, where that's going to vastly improve things. Um, I, I don't think the Vikings are frauds in the same way the Giants are, but certainly they're not a 4-1 and one team in the sense that, like, the chiefs and the bills are a four and one team right uh and so mm-hmm. um yeah are, are they gonna are, are they gonna have a really good opportunity to go seven and one yeah i think so i think there's a really good chance they'd likely go six and two because i think they're probably gonna lose out here um but you know the fundamentals of the vikings uh i'm not gonna say are broken but just don't sustain kind of a four and one record i mean they had to have three game winning drives in a row right or not in a row two in a row but mm-hmm. three overall in order to get there which that is definitely not sustainable so yeah, the Vikings are better than some other four and one teams, but they're definitely worse than some three and two teams. For sure. And and Giants, hey, fun story. Brian Dabble, really cool. Feels like they're turning things around. Great running game, great defense, or better improved, I should say, but just doesn't really scare anybody or strike much confidence if you're a Giants fan. Looking at Daniel Jones, the RPO, him running 15 times a game. He's already getting banged up. Doesn't seem sustainable. <laughs> Cowboys, huge game this week against the Eagles, 5-0. and Interesting to see if they go with the hot hand in Cooper Rush or or they try to kind of force the issue a little bit with Dak Prescott, or if they just wait one more week and try to get him fully healthy. Reminder, Ron Johnson joining us later, and then we're going to dive into our nerdy stat of the day and get into our gambling picks. But guys, if the Vikes were actually 7-1, and one, just in theory, you'd have to talk about KOC as a Coach of the Year candidate, right? Because as it stands now, he's third in the odds for the award behind Nick Sirianni in Philly and then Brian Dabble. As mentioned, he's five and a half to one in New York. I know it's still so early, but like, talk about the overall job you think KOC's done thus far here in Minnesota through five weeks. How would you evaluate him given our expectations going in? And what's the likelihood he'll be in the mix for the award by year's end? Like, What does that path have to look like to win it? Tom, start with you. Yeah, I think the hardest thing he has uh, going against him is that Sirianni's doing what is expected of him in a pretty tough situation. A lot of pressure, not just with 
you know, the roster they have and the expectations that come with it, but in, in an East Coast market. And it seemed like the quarterback is what he had to get right. And he's done the job so far. That's a really difficult job. He should be rewarded for that. And then with Dayball, you were talking about this, like I was watching that London game and like, how the hell are the Giants like winning this, even though obviously it was a Packer <laughs> collapse. But um, I think he's getting a lot of credit in that we see how first hires can go wrong, right? You look at Denver, you look at some of the other teams that have the, the Browns for years, right? Before they got Stefanski. Um, they nailed this hire. They're going to have to fill out the personnel. And so a guy like that um, deserves some credit. It's a little weird when you come into a situation where, you know, eight and nine hovering around 500 and the Vikings just look marginally better. You know, you talk about fraudulent. Mm -hmm. I assume that kind of comes from yeah. the point that they're not, they're not, I mean, they haven't even scored 30 points yet. Right. So like, it doesn't feel like a McVay team yet. It just seems like a team that is marginally better than a Zimmer team. And I think that's significantly different. And so uh, whether he can win this award, I think it's funny. I think nationally he's going to get a lot more credit because a seven-one start would not be expected out of the Vikings. Locally, we're going to be more, we're going to scrutinize more because we'll see. Ah, there's some time management things, and again, it doesn't feel like a McVay offense. And like, um, you know, Justin Jefferson's up and down in certain games. Um, I mean, I guess you could kind of fault him for a defensive coordinator if, if somehow the shell breaks at some point. And there's a couple of teams here who could probably do this. Um, so I think he should be in the mix. He should be in the conversation. The narrative isn't as strong as the other two guys you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Luke? There's two things here. One, coach of the year, more often than you think, goes to a first-year coach. Um, mm. Like almost half the time for like. It's a lot wow. of times it's a first year coach. And that kind of makes sense because the perception of a team that just fired its head coach is going to be that they're a bad team. And so mm -hmm. if a first year head coach can come in and make that team even a wild card team, it'll though he'll be credited. Oh, look at this turnaround. He took this disaster and turned him into something. So that puts Kevin O'Connell in a in a good place. But the the perception of the Vikings during the head coaching search was that they are this team with all this talent that was just underachieving and they're so close. That was the, that they were so like they're just right on the cusp. Look at all these close games they lost, and so getting the Vikings to the playoffs wasn't seen as this monumental task. If the Giants get to the playoffs, it's Dable because my goodness, that's a Daniel Jones led team, and they don't even want him. Uh, that is <laughs> like that's a way bigger accomplishment to me. They, they declined his um, fifth so year option, right? Him. Yeah, look at how they play him. They have absolutely no regard for like preserving him in the future. Um, <laughs> so like making it to the playoffs for that, Daniel Jones. Is, is, yeah, like it's a lame duck term. It's it's over. Um, getting to the playoffs with that, I think, is a big credit to to Brian Dable, and I could see it being Sirianni as well, just because the Eagles look so good. But I don't know. All things ebb and flow. It's a long season, it's, and Eagles aren't going seventeen and zero, right? Eventually, I think that can, that uh, that perception would fade a little bit more just because Sirianni's already been there. Um, that's why I I would probably go with Dable if I had to pick one right now, and that's the sort of hill that that O'Connell's climbing against. There are like three things that give you Coach of the Year award. Either you have a really wonderful story. That's what got Bruce Arians his first coach of the year award with the Indianapolis Colts while Pagano uh, was undergoing cancer treatment or Sean Payton in 2006 with, uh, with the Hurricane Katrina New Orleans Saints. Or you are absolutely dominant like uh, Bill Belichick in 2007 when he won that coach of the year award. Or you absolutely demolish expectations. So Matt Nagy with the Chicago Bears in 2018. Uh, Sean McVay in 2017 with the Los Angeles Rams, right? Um, Kevin Spansky in 2020 with the Cleveland Browns. That, that's what wins you coach of the years, those three things. Nick Sirianni has a really good opportunity to have two of those three with a really dominant team and absolutely crushing expectations. Now, I know the Eagles uh, weren't expected to repeat what they did last season. They were among the division favorites, but being 5-0 and here, maybe if they finish uh you know 12 and 5 maybe not but anything 13 wins and above which i certainly think is in the cards uh, i think nick sirianni basically sews it up because he's got basically two of those three otherwise i think it's it's probably brian dable over koc because the vikings are not crushing opponents right they're not being they're not playing dominantly the eagles are playing dominantly including over the vikings right so I think that that's um, going to be a big part of whether what that narrative ends up being. I think Brian Dable is certainly going to be, you know, a, a really big factor here. 
Uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, you've, you've always got these coaches that if they pull together, you know, dominant seasons, they'll reemerge as Coach of the Year candidates. Sean McDermott, for example, is yet to win Coach of the Year, and that Bills team is one of the best football teams I've seen in a long time, top to bottom. And so if they end up with only one loss at the end of the season, I think Sean McDermott, McDermott wins it, even if the Vikings are really competitive. So those are all things to consider. I don't think KOC is likely to win it, especially because I, I think that the likelihood that, that KOC or Brian Dable um, their win total drops off or roughly equivalent. And if that's the case, Dable has a better argument for it because the Vikings are, like Luke said, perpetually on the cusp of being competitive while the Giants are a disaster. Being able to pull that team into something is <laughs> is worth something, I think. Yeah. yeah, good point, Sarah. I like that you brought up McDermott, threw him in the mix too. And yeah, Eagles aren't going to be 17-0, and but if they can beat Dallas this week at home, could be against Cooper Rush, they come out of their bye with Pittsburgh and Kenny Pickett, Houston, Washington, and Indy. So they could be very well 10 and 0, 9 and 1. Like that's not like fantasy land. That's a real possibility. So going to be awfully tough. But KOC, as Luke mentioned, great point, does got the rookie coach factor going. Voters are going to look at what he's done the first year, keep into account the fact it's so hard to come in and have that instant success like he's had. And I think he'll still need to keep pace with Sirianni in that record or at least make it close. Like if they can be within two, three wins of the Eagles by year's end, which I don't think is realistic, he would have a legit shot at winning it or at least be heavily considered in the conversation i still think though both of you guys mentioned dable those expectations going in for new york into the season might just be too tough to compete with koc still should be in that like two three four range in the boats which i think if you told people at the beginning of the year koc would be let's say third in the coach of the year voting i think a lot of fans would be pretty excited plenty more vikes and nfl talk to get into next we're dishing out our bold predictions and chatting with ron johnson of the ron johnson show but first as mentioned, KOC is third in Vegas to win Coach of the Year, currently sitting at 12 to 1 behind only Nick Serrani, who's the heavy favorite at even money, and Brian Dabble, whose odds are at 5.5 to 1. Make sure to check those odds out and more all season long with Bet Online. BetOnline.net, fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, info, you want it, they got it. NFL, MLB, NBA, even MMA and UFC. BetOnline makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to BetOnline.net today to learn more. That's BetOnline.net. It's where the game starts. And remember, when you subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and Ron talk football every day in the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson gives you a sports anchor's perspective on superior sports talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the free Lockdown Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review or find our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. And find us now streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Just download our Locked On Sports Minnesota app and enjoy all our content and daily shows for free at your fingertips any day, anytime. All right, guys. This is the last time us four are going to talk before Sunday's game. So give me one bold prediction, one bold take for Sunday's game before we move on here and get to Ron Johnson. Let's go uh, clockwise. They should, they should run up the score on them. They need the margin. I just think you can't leave this one a chance because there, there's the unknown of the quarterback. It's on the road. It's going to be muggy um, as much as there's a million reasons why the Vikings should win it. We all kind of know that they're capable of losing those games. So it is the winning formula. I think they also need to show fans and opponents and even maybe themselves that they're capable of so much more and this may be the game that they do it yeah this certainly seems like a game where uh you know big things will happen i don't know you know i feel like it's either you know the vikings blow out the dolphins or uh the dolphins really just pants the vikings and there's not going to be a lot of room in between <laughs> for a close competitive game right so uh in the spirit of that uh, I'm going to take that, and I'm also going to take – I saw uh, Eric Eager tweeting that Adam Thielen has been declining every year. I reject that premise. I think Adam Thielen has been playing well. He just hasn't been producing. I think this is the game that Adam Thielen uh, gets 100 yards, which uh, I guess at this point uh, in, in his career and given what his production is, is a bold uh, prediction. But also I think the Dolphins will have to readjust their defense entirely to account for how the Vikings play football, and that's going to open up stuff for people like Thielen and Osborne. So Thielen, 100 yards is my bold prediction. Luke Brown. I need to get, we need to get so much bolder than this. I'm, I need to go to some yeah, turn insane, up the spice fantastical level. Let's territory. Let's get blazing. Yep. Yeah. Yale so Rager. the Dolphins, 
yeah. have <laughs> Jalen Rager two touchdowns. No, uh, the <laughs> Dolphins have historically been very, very good against zone running schemes. Um, they the fronts that they like to use are particularly good, and they're something the Vikings they use a lot of bare fronts. I don't think we've seen a lot of bare fronts. They flatten out the front a whole lot. I believe they will present a lot of problems for the Vikings run game. I believe the Vikings run game will average less than two yards per carry. It will be a pathetic day on the ground. You want spice? I got to make uh, that number low. Less than two yards does, per carry. Does that include it. Kirk Cousins? What if Cousins scrambles a little bit? Yes. Yeah, Kirk Vick. Sure, oh. yeah. Yes, yes, it includes Kirk. Whatever's bolder. Yes, yes. Kirk said he was going to run it. the ball a little bit more. He did. He ran on 35. He's got wheels. Think a quarterback will go up on the podium and tell lies? <laughs> Not our quarterback. Not we this are, one. Lies the same. I love it. Uh, I'm actually, I'm going to go opposite. Uh, Dalvin Cook. He's played five games this season. He's touched the ball 92 times, and yet his longest play of the season is 22 yards. That was on a trick play last week when he caught that lateral from Justin Jefferson. Before that, his longest play through four games was 16 yards. So where's the chunk plays? Where's the home run hitter? I think it's coming. This Sunday, this guy splits when he plays any game in Florida, going all the way back to college. They're wild. Last time he played the Finns, he went off. I think Dalvin Cook will have at least three plays of over 20 yards or more, and I think he's got at least one play of over 50 yards. On the ground, through the air, doesn't matter, but I think Cook busts out of the shell a little bit. He goes crazy this Sunday with multiple explosive plays. That's my bold prediction. Sam Ekstrom wants to chirp in before we move on. He's got a bold prediction he'd like to give as well. And a Sam now calling in from the JFK airport, <laughs> live from New York. It's Saturday night. Sam, what do you got? <laughs> I'm sure I'm getting weird stares in the airport, but I have to tell you guys how I think this game is going to end. Now, don't laugh at me. It's a ridiculous scenario, but I'm thinking back to 2014 when the Vikings went to Miami. They lost on a botched punt snap. There's some weird mojo in Miami with punts, so I think it's going to turn around this year. Just don't laugh. This is how I think it's going to play out. Tie game, final stages of the fourth quarter, waning seconds, in fact. Dolphins have to punt out of their own end zone. I think that they're going to punt the football off of one of their own players' butts out of the end zone for a game-losing safety. Just for the sake of the argument, let's say the guy is Trent Sherfield, whose butt it goes off of. Crazy scenario. Something tells me it's going to happen. They will call it, I don't know, the butt punt, and that's how the Vikings will win this game. Crazy punt hijinks in Miami. <laughs> Sir, this is how did a he Wendy's... get through security? Yeah, how did he get through security? Oh, <laughs> I have no idea. Great reminder, though. 2014, last time they played Miami, Jeff Locke had that pump lock for a safety. Wild ending. Terrence Fiday. As we, uh, yeah, good call. As we bring in Ron Johnson on the Minnesota Football Party. Ron Johnson, the local legend, Minnesota Golden Gopher Hall of Famer. Ron, of course, hosts the Ron Johnson Show right here on the Locked On Minnesota Network. Ron, little different look and vibe here without your co-host Sam Ekstrom running the show, but still the same old craziness here nonetheless. How you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How about, how about you guys? Hanging in there, breaking down this yeah, Sunday's game, trying to figure out who Skylar Thompson exactly is. But let me kick things off, and we'll just go clockwise around the screen per usual. Ron, you've hosted the Ron Johnson Show here on the Lockdown Minnesota Network now, I, I think over six months, over 100 shows. And I am continually amazed by the big-name guests you pull week in and week out. Robert Smith, former Gopher teammates, former NFL player Spice Adams one day, Cam Bynum the next, list goes on and on. I'm just curious, who's been your favorite guest or two you personally have enjoyed the most just kicking back and talking ball with? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I know Darius Butler and Ryan Clark were, were really solid mm -hmm. uh, from a content standpoint. Uh, the takes were spot on. Uh, Ryan even, you know, kind of spoke directly to the Minnesota media about Kirk Cousins and and what he thought about him. And, um, you know, so I, I think that was, was that was cool. But, you know, Spice Adams, anytime you can talk to Spice, you never know what you're going to get out of it. I know this week he talked about Lawrence Screen and throwing up in the middle of traffic. So that was extremely unexpected, but it was funny. Yeah, safe to say people will pay top dollar for that Rolodex you got there, Ron. I'm sure of it. Uh, Tom, go ahead. <laughs> In it. In the locker room here, do you think the talk is more, it's a backup quarterback, this is an opportunity to feast, this is going to be a big victory, or is there any kind of consternation that, like, this is an unknown, that, um, that like, it'd be embarrassing to lose to, like, Skylar Thompson and the Dolphins, uh, considering what you thought this was going to be going into the season? 
Yeah, I think the team, uh, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, Miami, the only the only way to win is to reach out to Al Pacino and the Sharks and try to get Jamie Foxx. Like, that's the only way Miami can save this season at this point. Um, you know, Willie Beeman, in my opinion, is a game changer. Uh, Skylar Thompson, on the other hand, uh, one thing about backups, I mean, think about Cooper Rush, think about Andy Dalton, think about all the backups the Vikings have faced in the past and most recently. Uh, it, it's it's harder, to be honest, because you're so used to the starter and you know what they're what they're going to do, you know what their cues are, you know what their ticks are. For Skylar Thompson, they don't really know. And in his mind, he's thinking, let me not lose this game. You know, you look at the Jets game and how the Jets uh, destroyed the Dolphins. Um, for Skylar Thompson now, he's got his feet wet. He, he knows coming into this, you know what, I'm the guy. Uh, and they're going to create an offense for him that's easy. So you're going to see a lot of dink and dunk passes. You're going to see a lot of crossing routes, stuff to help him out. You're going to see a lot of pre-snap motion to try to help him out as well. And hopefully this 3-4 defense can confuse him. But no, backup quarterbacks, you can't just show up and say, okay, and it's not the backup, he's the third guy. Um, you know, let's let's make sure that, and it feels, it honestly does feel like any given Sunday. I mean, if you think about it, the main quarterback gets hurt, backup quarterback goes in for one play, gets hurt, and then the third string guy comes in. So Skylar Thompson, I mean, I'm not saying he's Jamie Foxx, but if he throws up before the game starts, watch out. So if yeah, it, oh god, <laughs> take that look. <laughs> uh, no, uh, but my my question is actually just about uh, those receivers. Now I, I agree that there's likely going to be that kind of game plan, but you know they they've invested a lot into receivers in Miami. Obviously, they drafted Jalen Waddell. They they signed Terry Kill and Cedric Wilson in the offseason. Uh, Trent Sherfield's not having an, uh, an awful season there either. Um, how do receivers kind of maintain their confidence in the quarterback that is playing when it's, like you said, it's not even the backup. It's the backup's backup. It's a guy that they were hoping to develop, not hoping to play. You know, Tyreek Hill goes into the game. He's expecting, you know, another game plan, or, or he was expecting going into the season, another game plan where he'd be, you know, catching deep bombs and fixing to attack of a low's deep ball. And now he's got Skylar Thompson. How do you maintain confidence in that scenario? So, yes, yeah, so that's a great question. I mean, as a receiver, this is the honest thing about a backup quarterback. You get to practice all week with them. Uh, a lot of times the second and third receiver, not so much the number one guy, has a little bit better like rapport because when they're in, their backup is in. And so they're used to this guy. But at the end of the day, if I'm Jalen Waddle, if I'm Tyreek Hill, Skylar Thompson – at some point was a fan of these guys. I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm pretty sure he knows those receivers well. He was a fan. I'm going to use that. Like, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to sit by him on the bus. I'm going to make sure, you know, I practice. I'm, I'm standing next to him, talking to him. Uh, you you have to be able to use that uh, ability. I mean, I hate to say it. Like, there is star power out there. Like, it, it, it happens. Like, Deion Sanders, the first day Deion Sanders walked to our locker room, guys forgot he was going to be our teammate for the season. Like, guys were – we're looking at his socks, looking at the D. I mean, he had his own shoe. So, you know, we were looking at his Nikes <laughs> that they had sent over uh, that were purple and black. I mean, he had custom Deion Sander Nike cleats and turf shoes. So, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we're looking at like, oh, man, them, those are the Harachis. Those are the Deions. Those are the Bo, Bo Jacksons. Like, Deion had it all. He had the socks, custom him. Um, you know, for me, you know, getting a chance to sit, my locker was one over from Ray Lewis. So, you know, same thing. Like, you know, the first couple of minutes, you know, you, you're like, man, this is so-and-so. And then eventually you have to play the game. And so if I'm Tyreek Hill, if, if I'm, if I'm Jalen Wilder, more, more so Tyreek Hill, I'm using that to my advantage. Like I'm making sure this guy knows I'm the fastest guy in the world. I'm making sure this guy knows, like, I'm, I'm, I can get you paid on another team. Like, I mean, if you think about, uh, Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel finds a way to get the ball to the guy so that he continues to get paychecks in the NFL. Like he's played longer. I'm pretty sure he's going to play longer than uh, possibly, you know, you think about it, Jay Cutler, all these names that we know. Chase Daniel is still playing. So if I'm Skylar Thompson, I'm thinking about like, how do I get the ball to the guy that's going to get me the most yak? That's going to be Tyreek Hill on and over. That's going to be Jalen Waddle on and over. Like, I'm not going to risk. I mean, now, deep ball, yeah, I'm going to throw as far as I can throw it and hope I don't, you know, Tyreek doesn't uh, under get thrown the throne. But I'm going to take the easy stuff, and that's what a third-string quarterback is going to do. I want the easy completions. And, and, and honestly, that was the problem against the Jets. Some of the easier completions, he wasn't taking. Like, he was, he was trying to come in and run the game plan that was set up for Teddy Bridgewater. Well, now this game plan is set up for him. They've already said Teddy's the backup this week if he clears concussion protocol. If not, Jamie Foxx is the backup. So if I'm Skylar Thompson and I'm these receivers, like, no, you don't lose confidence in the guy. You see what he does in practice. He's getting paid. He's, what, 96 or something odd quarterbacks or 100-something odd quarterbacks in the NFL total. 
Um, he's 1% of or less than 1% of the world's quarterbacks that are in the NFL. So the guy's elite. He's just not, you know, one of the upper echelon guys, but he's an NFL guy. So you talked a lot about like making things easier on your quarterback, right? Like motion and all this stuff. My question is, why doesn't everybody do that? Why not make the whole plane out of the thing that makes your life easier for your quarterback? Like, I know there's a lot of different answers to that, but like, what is the, the, the downside for the backup quarterback game plan? Well, one, some guys aren't smart, so you can't do that with everybody. Like, guys literally motion and forget where they are in the system. So, seriously, like, <laughs> everybody's not Kirk Cousins. Hot route, like, hot route. Yeah, that's, that's I don't real. know I what like you that. mean. <laughs> yeah. Like, Kirk Cousins can do it. Uh, Peyton Manning does it. Drew Brees does it. Uh, Tom Brady does it. Um, but then there's also your skill guys around you. Like, if you think about – Kirk Cousins pre-snap motions and shifts. There's a lot of stuff going on. And so you have to have the mental capacity. But also some of these coaches don't really understand the motion and shift. Like this, this is truly like the, the motion jet sweep and all that kind of like that's new age. Like if you were to if you were to go out there and, and Tom Landry were to watch this film, he'd be like, what is the purpose of that? You know what I mean? You'd have to explain it to him and they'd be like, oh, okay, I get it. But when you when you shift in motion and PJ Fleck brought this up on the PJ Fleck show uh this week. Illinois is one of the best teams in the Big Ten, in the country probably, for not showing you what they're going to do on defense. And so if you watch Peyton Manning and Ray Lewis go back and forth, uh, best that was the best commentary I've ever seen was those who talk about playing against each other. And Ed Reed, too, I think he was talking about Ed Reed. Ed Reed showed Peyton Manning one thing at pre-snap, showed him another thing at the fake, and then showed him one more thing at go. And then it, it, uh, Peyton Manning even says, he said, look, I saw you chase after so-and-so and so i knew i'm throwing it to reggie wayne and ed reed's like yep i knew you saw me chase so he didn't even see the ball thrown he flipped his hips and ran to reggie wayne to pick the ball off so that's that's the games that are played and every coach doesn't really understand why they shift their motion like a lot of people hated the, the san francisco 49ers offense when they first got introduced and everybody started seeing all oh, this double shift with george kittle from left to right then motion back in the backfield a lot of people are like, man, this is dumb. Then all of a sudden the Chiefs start doing it. And then all of a sudden now the Dolphins and then the Packers and and now the Vikings are doing it. So it's it's not something that every coach agrees with. Some coaches just think one simple motion or, hey, you're, you should be smart enough to see. Well, these defensive coordinators are getting smarter and smarter too. They're like, look, let's, let's disguise as much as possible um, and not give them that. That's why college football added the check with me. When quarterbacks look over at the sideline, their coach is actually helping them out. He's telling them to play. Like, he's like, look, this is what I see. This is what the booth sees. This is what you guys should run. And so that's why college college football, I don't think they think a lot of their guys are smart enough to do all that. So they just do it. Check with me. Like, you check with me. I'll get you in the right play. And that's why a lot of coaches don't do it. Like, it's just every coach doesn't know. They, I, I give you an example. Look at Mike Sanford Jr. with the Gophers last year. He tried to run the same mm -hmm. offense that Kirk Scirocco is running now and that Kirk Scirocco ran before him. And it did not work. Why? Because he has no idea what he was looking at when they were checking with him. Like Tanner Morgan looked at Mike Sanford and Mike Sanford's like, I don't know why you're looking at me. Like, have at it. Like, Your offense. You know. <laughs> Figure it out, dude. So, Figure it out. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's why he was snapping the ball with seven seconds, or like, sorry, trying to get a check at seven seconds. That's not enough time to change the play. You got to give a guy 20 seconds. So a lot of coaches, too, they get scared about that. Like, oh, if you don't motion to shift quick enough and then we got to change it, how much time are we going to have on the clock? Well, you always got to have a – and if you watch the Manning cast, Peyton Manning brought it up, the can, 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 which just means throw that play mm -hmm. in the trash, here's the new play. And that's mm -hmm. that's the thing. If you're not good enough to can plays or whatever or say it's ready to go, like Omaha was Peyton's or uh, in Eli's. I think Kirk Cousins was Sunday last year. Sunday, Sunday. I don't know what it is now. Um, but you got to have something to say, okay, we're good, or, hey, I'm canning this play, I'm trashing this play, whatever. Kill it, kill it, kill it, whatever. Like some quarterbacks don't have that, Like, and that's why you don't want to do that. I love it, Ron. Last one real quick, then we'll get you out of here. Just quick 30 seconds. Gophers coming off their bye week, taking on the Fighting Illini in Chicago. 24th ranked team, I believe, in the country. How important is this game for the Gophers coming off this bye and that loss versus Purdue? And just quick outlooks and thoughts on the game. Yeah, I mean, you look at where the Big Ten is at. This is the number one and two defenses in the Big Ten. Illinois is giving up three touchdowns and nine field goals. The Gophers are giving up five touchdowns. So they're both really good defenses. The key is going to be like P.J. Flex said, their defense doesn't want to tell him anything. So that check with me 
is going to be tough because they're not going to show you. They don't move until they know the quarterback is ready to snap the ball. And they know, like, hey, why would we show you anything until about seven seconds? Once we show you at seven seconds, it's too late. You don't have time to check. Like, you have to. So that's what Brett Bielema is doing to a lot of these teams in the Big Ten. He confused – well, anything can confuse Brian Ferentz, but he confused <laughs> Iowa. Um, <laughs> you just put out a, a puzzle on the field or something, and Brian Ferentz like, what? <laughs> Why is there a puzzle out there? <laughs> dad, I don't get it. Why is there a puzzle on the field, Dad? Jenny. Um, Jenny. Um, But if you think about Illinois, their, their goal is to confuse. And so the way to stop a defensive coordinator from confusing is just run the ball down their throat. I, th I think that's what Mo Ibram – and that's why they need Mo Ibram. They have to be able to run the ball 25 to 30 times this game. Run the ball down their throat. Impose your will. You got big uh, 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 Carroll came back from Notre Dame and transferred in. You got a nice, you know, John Michael Schmidt, who's one of the best centers in college football. You got to use those guys. Let them go forward. Um, I forgot who told me this. It was uh, the Vikings game for the alumni game. Uh, oh, Randall McDaniel. He was saying, man, it's so much easier for us to go forward than it is for us to go backwards. So if you can go forward as offensive lineman, we look at Quinn Carroll, you look at John Michael Schmidt, and you you know, you know, put a fullback back there, a tight end. Uh, once they put eight, and that's what PJ wants to do, once they put eight in the box, now I can throw the ball to Daniel Jackson. Now Dalen Wright has one-on-one -on -one coverage. And I think that's what it's, it's going to be the first team to give up a big play on defense is going to lose this game, I think. I think the first team to give up a big gashing play, whether it's a touchdown or a play action, they're going to lose the game. And what this means for the Big Ten, I think the winner of this game more than likely wins the West. Like the way it's set mm -hmm. up right now, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think they really can hurt Minnesota or I, Illinois can hurt Minnesota's chances of climbing back up. Minnesota could put themselves right back in the conversation for the top team in the West by beating Illinois because then it's all up to you after that. You got Iowa, you got Wisconsin, and you got Penn State, which won't hurt you as much. Um, but, you know, you got Iowa, Wisconsin still. So you win this game, I, I think they, they put their names right back in the number one spot for the West. I love it. Ron Johnson bringing the heat per usual. Just a quick yes or no. And I saw you guys were doing, like, bold predictions. I don't know if anybody said this. Uh, yeah. I got this from somebody else. But I mm -hmm. think Kirk Cousins will have more passing yards than the Dolphins' entire offense. Ooh, Ooh, I like it. Ooh, I love like that. it. I like that. Yeah. So I love it. Cousins more passing it. yards than their run game and their pass game. Throw the kicker in there too. Yeah, why not? Her cousins, I think he's gonna go off. He'll, no big deal. He'll I go like off. It. Skyler Thompson's gonna go three and out a bunch. He's gonna get the ball right back to Kurt. And I think this is the mm. put your foot on her throat game for Kurt. He's gonna put that yeah. chain on again. He's in Miami, so why not? You know, <laughs> if I were him, I, he should right. dress like Miami Vice, yeah. like Don Johnson. Yeah, cousins like white pants. Yeah, purple shirt wear a purple shirt with a white suit man and a turnover oh, that, actually, that sounds it. clean that sounds way too good for Kirk yeah. Cousins <laughs> yeah I love it Ron Johnson on Twitter at three Ron Johnson host of the Ron Johnson show Monday Tuesday Wednesdays and our roundtable host on Fridays and our guest right here every Thursday on the football party thanks Ron talk to you tomorrow on the roundtable I appreciate it. Coming up next, it's time for our gambling picks. But first, hungry, need a midday snack on the go? Grab a Built Bar. Built Bar, made with collagen protein, so it's easily digestible, provides tons of health benefits. Each bar has just 160 calories and 15 grams of protein, packing the perfect punch of nutrition and taste. Ditch the calories, fat, and sugar, and grab yourself a Built Bar. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON15. Time has come, our week six gambling picks. Things are getting real here because we officially have a loser punishment in place. The loser at the end of the year will be videotaped in full pads going through a quarterback type pro day circuit slash combine. Tom, you'll be filling in for Sam today. He's got Sam's picks with him locked and loaded. I want to get Tom's take on this real quick before we go. I know we're running low on time because we need a second loser punishment. And that's if anyone goes in the red with their bank account. Arif has already done it. I'm very well on my way myself if I don't heat back up this week. <laughs> I don't know if anything's officially been flung out. Tom, do you have any ideas? Top of your head. Don't hold back. Let us have it get creative. Second loser punishment we need. I'm only saying this because I'm not part of this, and I want to be clear. I'm not part of, of this. I cannot be punished. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. we, we had to do a stand-up at Acme. <laughs> you had to, like, knock out two to five minutes. Uh, oh, everybody. my That's gosh. not happening. I think the other thing, Luke, oh, my gosh. Luke, Luke if, if you 
it, as long as you can't be punished by this, but as long as you're not the one that loses, I think anyone can move into your house at any time. I think that's the loser's punishment. <laughs> this is karma. This, this is coming back to get you. I think that's the, uh, the yeah. loser punishment. Grief, wake that, up. That, Dude, wake up. Time for the show. Right here. I got a spot right here. We got the new house. Luke, we got you, a new okay, spot. So you I can't talk. Luke, you just walked into my house one day. <laughs> oh, You're like, okay. hey, what's going oh, on? Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Hey, Ed. <laughs> hey. You're not ready? Let's go. <sighs> oh, that's great. I love it. All right. Go comment on the this YouTube channel. Let us know what you think. But I have a safe distance from you people. <laughs> oh, you think that's oh, safe? Oh, you'd be surprised. I don't mind flying spirit. Yeah, I don't mind flying spirit. No problem. Yeah, no problem. All right, go comment on the YouTube channel. Let us know. Fear the man who doesn't fear Spirit Airlines. (laughs) Right. For a second loser. That guy's been through some stuff, man. He sat in the middle. Okay. All right. On Spirit. Watch out. Oh, geez. You look like you've been through some stuff, man. All right, go comment on the YouTube channel. We're looking for our second loser punishment. All right, quick update. Luke Braun in the leader's chair with 795. Sam in second with 528. I'm in third, only got a buck 34 left, just hanging by a thread. Arif, last place in the red with a minus 164. Yeah, 164 in the hole. Today, the order will go Luke Braun, Tom with Sam's picks, me, then Arif. Luke, go ahead, kick us off. All right. Um, so I believe in the magic of the first game of an interim head coach. Uh, this is a real thing, both against the spread and, uh, out and straight up teams that fire their head coach leading up to that are roughly around 250 winning percentage. Um, they lose three times as often as they win, probably why they're firing their coaches and in the game immediately after they ascend to 500. This is a trend that is born out over like 20 years. It's a thing. Um, that said, I don't quite feel comfortable enough. I, I kind of feel like the Rams have bounced back in too. So I am going to take the Panthers and Rams over. I checked last night. It was 41. Let me double mm-hmm. check that the line has not moved since I looked. Oh, no, it's 42 now. Still taking it. Uh, oh. Panthers, Rams over 42 at minus 110. It's so Love weird it. to drop that statistic about, about performance with an interim head coach first game and not take and then, the spread yeah, not for take the, the spread. <laughs> I thought you were going spread there for sure. Because I believe in the Rams too. I think the Rams are bouncing back as well offensively. So I like that successes on the way scoring in that game more than one particular thing. The offenses will be revived. All right, Tom, you're up with Sam's picks. What do you got? Yes, Sam believes in the Packers. Packers by seven over the New York Jets. Okay, Sammy going with the Packers by seven. Did he say how much he'll be wagering on these picks? 150, 150. Yeah, one fifty. Got it. Okay. Okay. Arif brought this uh, theory up last week. Listen, when you're at the blackjack table, you keep losing. What do you do? You keep doubling your bet. Okay. Well, I'm doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down now on the Jaguars. I think I'm over three this year. I'm going back to the Jags. Love Plus them. Plus two versus Indy. I'm due, man. All right. I'm staying consistent with my bet. Two hundred dollar bet. Jaguars plus two this week at Indianapolis. Arif, you got back to back. All right. Um, I typically do not like betting Vikings games, but mm-hmm. you know, my well, I, gonna... I have to switch up my strategy, and I'm going to take the Vikings minus three and a half plus one hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, and w- what's our limit? Six hundred dollars. Uh, I believe so. Yep. <laughs> let's go. Yeah, let's do that. Wow, I love I it. Got, I got to get out of the house. Hole. I love this. You got to get out of the hole. Yeah, love it. it's fake gotta money. Got to get out of the hole. He gets. He has one two and a week, and he's in first place. It's just unbelievable the turnaround. I love it. All right, back to back. So you're over under. What do you got? Yeah. So my over under. I don't. Uh, I just don't like over unders. I don't like the over unders this week. But mm-hmm. Buccaneers Steelers is at forty four. That seems a little high to me. I, I think that mm-hmm. uh, you know Tom Brady is not Tom Bradying enough. And Kenny Pickett is a rookie, uh, so uh, and and that Buccaneers defense actually has been quite good over 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 the season. So I'll take the under forty four minus one ten. Uh, again, I hate over unders, so I'm not going to go as hard. But it's probably going to be more money than any of you yokels are going to bet uh, on any individual bet. Anyway, it's going to be three hundred dollars. Love it. 900 bucks on the table, all said and done. I don't like any of these over-unders either, to be honest. I'm on a cold streak, though. This is just going to be a classic NFL, random, weird Thursday night game. Everybody's expecting a 10-7 to game. I'm going to take the over 38 points. Washington, Chicago, tonight, 200 bucks on the line. Staying consistent, 200 bucks. All right, Tom, 
You're back up with Sam's second pick. I believe you have to do an over-under now. Yep, yep. So Sam has Panthers-Rams over 41. He wants to put 150 on it. Panthers-Rams over-under. Uh, now, that was already kind of bet on. That was oh, already sorry. bet on. So you got to go to plan <laughs> C. What do you got? Bills-Chiefs Bills, under 54. He's going under on the Bills Chiefs 54. I love it. Okay. And uh, 150 bucks? That's yeah, 150. It's a bold bet. Bold well, I bet was considering that under, honestly. I get it. Yeah, I like it. All right, Luke, uh, you already got your over-under. Now to your spread. Yeah, I was actually thinking about Chiefs plus three just because Patrick Mahomes is a home underdog. That seems cool. But mm-hmm. <laughs> instead, um, I'm going to bet against a team coming home from London. And go with the Ravens minus five and a half against the uh, previously established fraudulent New York, New York Giants. Um, <clears throat> I think that's minus one ten. By the way, I think I didn't say a uh, hundred bucks on both of these bets. Okay, thank you for and, clarifying. Uh, and uh, there minus one fifteen, I think, for the Ravens. Minus one fifteen. Minus one fifteen. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, there it is. Locked in stone. Good luck to all this week. A collective one in seven last week. We're due for a bounce back. Okay, guys, before we go, uh, Vikings Dolphins, final score predictions. Let's start with Sam Ekstrom, who's now I'm hearing at the Guatemala airport. Sam, final score prediction this Sunday. What do you got? Final check-in. I have a Vikings <laughs> final score prediction Twenty eighteen. Ah. Book it. Twenty eighteen. They should remove him from he, that flight. If I ever see that, get him off yeah, the flight. Sir, he, people sir, who are can we not see your watching ticket? this on YouTube are really missing Holy out. Holy smokes! Yeah, if you're listening, if you're listening, explain what he did. If you're li- go no. ahead, yeah, Tom, give us Head a quick breakdown. Yeah, so he's Figure on a plane. Okay. He's on a plane. He's probably pressed, I guess, against the other seat, but he's got a real close visual of his face. Whispers what you just heard. Flips it up to the 20, right, aisle 20, pans across 19, kind of as like a juke, hits us with 18, and that's how he got his final score, 2018, because of how planes work, I guess. And watch, and watch, 2018, it's going to happen. Watch this. It'll be a terrible game. It's going to happen, because that's the NFL and that's the Vikes. All right, final score prediction. Go ahead. What do you got? Right, yeah, yeah. Let's see. Uh, so I already I already took the Vikings to to beat the spread, so they're going to win by more than three. Um, yeah, I'm going to say uh, Vikings twenty six. Let's go with an unusual unusual number. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dolphins twenty. Love it, Luke. Uh, with an over under forty five and a half and a spread of three and a half, <clears throat> that implies like a twenty three to twenty win. Um, sure. We'll go chalk. 23-20. Run it. Run it. Lock it in. Tommy Guns, what do you got? Final I said we'll prediction. finally see – yeah, I said if we'd finally see the O'Connell offense, I'll go 35-21 Vikings. Love it. Blow it in Miami. I'll go I, – I, I think this is a weird one. Last time they played Miami, I think Ron brought it up. Somebody brought it up. 2014, they lost 35-37. It was 17-14 heading into the fourth quarter. Jeff Locke had a punt blocked for a safety. Just a wild, wacky one. You got a third stringer starting for Miami. I think this is just another weird one. I'll say Vikes 29, Dolphins 23. Skyler's got the ball two minutes left. Chance to win it. Defense holds strong again. Comes out on top. 29-23. Again, I just think it's a weird, goofy one. A wild one we got on deck. All right. That's a wrap today. Back on Monday, breaking down the Vikings-Dolphins Week 6 matchup. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And join us every Monday and Thursday on the Minnesota Football Party right here on Locked On Minnesota Sports Network. We're a podcast, too, free and available, all platforms. Subscribe. Drop us a five-star review. Find us streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Arif Hassan on Twitter, at Arif Hassan NFL. Check all his workout up on Pro Football Network. Luke Braun on Twitter, at Luke Braun NFL, host of Locked on Vikings and the Vikings postcast after every Vikings game. Special thanks to Tom Schreier filling in for Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at T Schreier 3. Check out all his great work they're doing over there at Zone Coverage. And I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow to the roundtable with myself, Reggie Wilson, and Ron Johnson, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Luke, Luke, Arif, and Tom, enjoy the game, and we'll see you back here on Monday. Until then, signing out. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.